everybody this is sean harwell you were listening once again to the never heard of a podcast this is episode 50 and i am joined as always today just like yesterday by my main man craig moorhead craig how are you i'm good sean hey happy 50th episode We've come a long way. We have come a long way, I guess. I, I think we have. I think we're getting better at this. Well, we're going to talk about a little bit about why we chose the movie today, and since it is the 50th episode. Um, but if you're just joining us, this is the podcast where we talk about the movies that have at least fallen through our cracks and probably some of yours as well. You can find us online, neverheardpodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's always nice to leave a review if you want. That helps people find the show. And at our website, you can find links to all our social outlets and electrical outlets and shopping outlets. I like those outlets. Electrical outlets? Did we say that? <laughs> I did, yeah. Good, good. I think those are the only three outlets that exist. Mm-hmm. Craig. Yeah. Should we talk about this movie? I can't wait to talk about this movie, Sean. Let's do it. There is a lot of talk about. The movie we're talking about is The Perfect Host. This is from 2010. It was directed by... Nick Tomney. Nick Tomney. I like that name. Yeah. Written by Nick Tomney and Krishna Jones, starring mm. David Hyde Pierce, Clayne Crawford, Nathaniel Parker, and a host of other folks. Helen Reddy, no doubt. Helen Reddy. Like to throw that out there, yeah. Uh, Megan Perry, who I believe was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series, oh, yeah. um, which I never watched, so I'm the last person who should be talking about that, mm-hmm. but here we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, why did we choose the perfect host this time? Well, Craig and I were discussing what we should do for this episode since, yeah, okay, yeah, it's 50, whatever. Um, I don't know why I had never even thought to do this, but I was like, hey, I should just Google best movies you've never heard of. What will, that, what will that pull up? And needless to say, I found a slew of lists online. Obviously, we're a very list-obsessed uh, culture, and there was no shortage of lists. However, man, I was really surprised that there was a lack of consensus. And maybe I shouldn't be because, <laughs> uh, you know, well, this is America. People have different tastes, obviously. But uh, it, it was all across the board. You know, there were a lot of lists that had things like history of violence i saw a list that had the big lebowski a, a lot of movies that i think anybody in our audience will easily have you know heard of and yeah. seen and have the posters times. on their wall yeah exactly there were other lists that had plenty of obscure great sounding things that i had never heard of but they were the only list i could find that had those movies mm-hmm. so what i did was let's find some consensus, just a little bit. Just give us something. Is there a movie or a couple movies that show up on maybe two or three of these lists? <laughs> that was like go. literally what I was looking for, you know, because that's how like across the board it was. And so there were a couple that were, you know, um, the movie Moon was on there yep. uh, several times. Duncan Jones, Sam Rockwell, great sci-fi movie. If you haven't seen it, I feel like a lot of you probably have. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. okay, we could watch that again. But now nah, let's see what else is on there. Primer. Sundance hit. I've seen it. It's been a long time. Uh, that was on a bunch of wrists. Surprisingly, Craig, mm-hmm. and I, I would never have guessed this, even though I've seen it, uh, the movie Wrist Cutters, a love story, which stars Patrick Fugit and Shannon Shossam. Is it Shossaman? How do you say your name? Shannon oh, wow. Sossamanism from A Knight's Tale. Yeah, that's that fine. You may remember. Oh, it's, Sh- uh, it's Shannon Sossaman. 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 That's fine. Yeah, it's a fun, fun indie flick. I didn't, like. I remember it. I remember liking it. I was surprised it was on like five of these lists. Um, yeah. You know, so so there were things like that. And then we talked about maybe watching that. But then, of course, we're in the streaming age. We like to find things that you can watch um, if you've already got a subscription to a place like Netflix. And so that's how we kind of landed on this movie, The Perfect Host. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, you know, we'll get into this. But if you want to really point the finger at anybody, Craig, mm-hmm. the website realrundown.com. There was an article when I did my Google search that was the top 10 best movies you never heard of, uh, written by David Godbay, I believe is how you say his name. Perfect host, number one on his list. Wow. 
And then it also popped up on a list from an IMDb user who, good gracious, I think he's got over 300 movies on this list, a lot of horror stuff. Perfect Host was sitting at number 29. So, I mean, I don't, I think he maybe ranked these in order. I'm not positive. Could be a she that said they at least thought of it pretty early on when they were making the list if it's on there at number 29, right? Yeah. And there's some great stuff on there, like Dogtooth, which I have seen and heard of, obviously. And uh, that's a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it. So that's where we were going into this. Obviously, I think anybody that grew up with Cheers and Frasier should be a David Hyde Pierce fan. I am. Indeed. Did you watch this trailer before you sat down to check out the movie, Craig? I didn't watch it just before. I, I definitely had seen the trailer. I was aware of the movie. Okay. Yeah. So you were mar- you were aware of the basic setup of this movie? Yeah. Okay, because I was not. And I will say, like, I thought, just given the fact that David Hyde Pierce was in this, given the fact that it looks to be fairly small and, and not well-known, I thought we were in total, like, indie comedy New York, Noah Bomb, <laughs> somewhere land like that. This is clearly not that kind of movie. So you were not even ready for the genre that this was? No, not even ready for the genre. And so that threw me for a bit of a loop. So let me give the synopsis right now from IMDb, and then we'll get into all of that. Right on. Uh, this movie, The Perfect Host from 2010, is about an on-the-run convict looking for temporary cover, finds himself at the house of a very colorful character played by david hyde pierce and uh that's a very general (laughs) synopsis yes very spoiler free yes and we are going to spoil this movie as we spoil all movies because that's what we do Mm. uh when they say colorful character that means david hyde pierce is kind of batshit insane and um he has invented a whole host uh no pun intended uh imaginary people that are frequent party goers and dinner guests at his house yes and boy i did not know that <laughs> what did, what did you think of this movie craig um and then we'll we'll dive right in well you know it's it's kind of a mixed bag uh i i did know that it was mm-hmm. I, I kind of knew what it was going in only in as much as i knew that david hyde pierce was not what he seemed uh, as far as i knew though there was an actual party uh, I don't remember the trailer well, but it seemed to... I don't feel like the trailer gave away the fact that the people in the party were fake. Like, I seem to remember feeling like, well, oh, there's a party, and it's going to be like a party of cannibals or something. You know, like, I, I don't know, but... It actually, I watched it today, Yeah, and it does. Uh, it, it's the very last shot, I think, of the trailer is when David Hyde Pierce asked one of his imaginary guests to help lift this bank robber hostage that he's taken, and then you see the result is actually just he doing it himself no one's there. Gotcha. So, but it doesn't i mean it doesn't really that's the only kind of clue you get that those people may not be real right but it, it's certainly having seen the movie and then seeing that i'm like okay they were definitely tipping their hand there at least yeah but i can see how you would have seen that forgotten about it and then watching it seven years later just think yeah there's a party going on and there's conga uh, dance is happening yeah. uh, while this guy is tied up in a chair. Like, that's the movie. Right. Well, now, so how did you uh, feel about it there, Sean? I thought it was a great opening. I was completely on board. Mm-hmm. I loved the sort of pace of it. I think the shot selection is great. It's got a good rhythm to it. It's got uh, Eagles of Death Metal tune blasting there at the opening. It kind of helps set the pace. Sure. And then uh, it took a left turn, and I kind of wished it had gone straight. (laughs) And like I say, obviously, you know what that left turn is now. I didn't see it coming at all. And it just, it was hard for me to kind of get into that. And then I think once I started to accept that, it kind of takes another turn in the third act. And the very end, which I also just found unsatisfying and a little confusing. Right. On a plot standpoint. So I, I've, my takeaway from this movie is that these problems are, for me, are script problems. Yeah. I think there's ample evidence here to suggest that Nick Tomney is a very capable director. Mm-hmm. I like most of the performances. I believe they had a budget of $500,000 and less than three weeks to shoot this in Los Angeles. Right. 
And man, kudos to them for pulling that off and pulling it off, I think, with the level of execution that they did. I agree. So for me, this is really a case of the story didn't quite take me to where <laughs> I wanted it to go right. and then left me. Ever since I've finished it, I've been questioning <laughs> like uh, the whole thing, you yeah. know, and uh, there's, there's some things that I think don't quite hold water. Agreed. Why'd you do it? Do what? Steal. Why not earn it honestly? It doesn't matter to me. I'm just curious. There's always ways to earn money. Do you know about anything? Well, let's start at the beginning then. All right, let's do it. You know, this is one of those movies where you kind of hit the ground running and you don't know exactly what's happened, but you, you, the smart viewer, you can quickly pick up that this man, um, I believe, is named John Taylor. John Taylor. They call him yes. Taylor a lot. So for there was a while there, I just thought his first name was Taylor. Yeah. John Taylor. He's robbed a bank. He appears to be at least very competently trying to take steps to get away with his crime. Mm -hmm. um, there's rubber gloves there's a bicycle that's put in a dumpster and then he gets in a car and then you know he's traveling and then it's within minutes you find out that his name is already on the news they've got the car they got the license plate they more or less know who this guy is mm -hmm. he's also cut his foot that makes me think of something like uh, No Country for Old Men like a lot of those scenes yeah. where somebody gets hurt and he, he milks that uh, that limp through the entire movie, which I think is great. He's got to get basically off the streets of L.A. and find some place to bunker down until he can rendezvous with whatever he's supposed to be rendezvousing with. Yes. Which we'll get to because that plays heavily into the third act. He stops at a house, tries to get into, you know, use the phone, take cover by lying to a woman. She doesn't buy it. He goes to the next house. Uh, looks in the mailbox. There's a postcard from a woman named Julia who's in Sydney, and he uses that as an excuse to get inside David Hyde's Pier David Hyde Pierce's character's house by saying, "Hey, I'm a friend of Julia's. I just got back into town or in the country. Um, she told me so much about you. I believe he says he was mugged, but uh, the airline lost his luggage. He's supposed to meet his cousin. She's not home. Can he just like hang out and make some calls if you don't mind? And there's initial resistance. He's got a you know a dinner party happening. You know, sorry, it's just not a great time. And then realizes, ah, Julia would never forgive me if I let you walk away. Come on in, come on in. Um, and so that that's your basic setup because that's where you're going to spend the pretty much the bulk of the movie. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about that setup? I, I mean, I felt pretty good about all of that. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I really think it's pretty damn strong. Yeah, you're definitely in the in this bank robber's shoes and John Taylor's shoes. Mm -hmm. He seems to be doing things smartishly, but not yeah. too smart. So all that felt pretty good. And and then yeah, once you get in there, you kind of feel like you know, yeah, this is where you're going to be spending the rest of the movie. For me going in knowing that David Hyde Pierce is is not what he seems, but I don't know what he is, like all that stuff plays pretty well. Did you, I mean, obviously being a fan, have you, did you get a sort of horror vibe from that setup? I mean, does that work for you as like a horror fan? Because this, this movie kind of traffics in that genre a little bit, right? It definitely does. And I, I can't say that I felt like it was horrorish then. Like I okay. didn't have any evidence mm -hmm. yet that it was horrorish. If anything, it felt maybe Tarantino-ish. Yes, that's what was a surprise to me, actually, was right. that kind of vibe and that style, I think. Right. Like, yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, it just, it just felt like you kind of knew this guy was going from frying pan into fire. Mm -hmm. But you, you didn't know how, but you could just feel that that's what was going to happen. Uh, and it, so it was always kind of between that and like, uh, like an episode of Twilight Zone <laughs> was where I was kind of feeling like it was, okay. was going to be happening. <laughs> But yeah. Right. And see, I'm thinking through all this that, oh, okay, here we go. He's in this house. He's created a, a lie. Let's watch it unravel. And I think they do a pretty good job of making that feel somewhat natural and believable. There was a, at least two or three moments where I swear to God, like, I'm, my fingers are hovering over my keyboard. 
I start typing, what the hell? Like, didn't he say he was going to call somebody to make arrangements? Why are we spending three minutes? And David Hyde Pierce hasn't even brought up, oh, do you need to use the phone? And like immediately that happens on screen. He's like, oh, did you want to use the phone to make make a call? All right. Yeah. Which this this is another like, I think it's a good choice, but it is a little weird that, I don't know, it's like 2010. It, it seems like nobody in this environment has a cell phone. Right. <laughs> you know, did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of like that. So there were there were a couple of those moments where, and to me, like I was actually getting really interested in this movie because I thought, okay, he's gone into this house and he created this story. This is going to be one of those movies where the shit, it just continuously unravels for him. And how is he going to hang on to not getting caught. I mean, somewhat like, I mean, Attack the Gas Station is a really absurd version of that, the movie that we talked about with Mary Ratliff. But something like Panic Room, say, you know? Right. That came to mind. Like something in that sort of Hitchcockian thriller mode, I guess. Right. Because, you know, know there's a moment that's going to happen where David Hyde Pierce figures out this guy is not who he says he is and he's not good. And... I actually liked how that happened, which was just the ra- he, the radio was on in the background. Yes. And the radio, like a news report comes up about John, the bank robber. And he, David Hyde Pierce is like being David Hyde Pierce. Oh, what would you, you know, did you enjoy Sydney? Did you always, t-? you know, or he's like talking about art or something, you know, it's that yeah. very sort of like uh, elitist kind of character that he's played and like that sort of like upper class uh, annoying guy. And John's like, Sh- just shut up, shut up. And then finally, like, he just explodes, like, shut up. I was like, oh, thank God. Like, we can't spend another minute of this movie trying to, like, stretch out the ruse. Yeah. So I like how all that happened. And then let's talk about the transition then from that setup to Crazy Town, trademark. Trademark, nice. It's not, it's not a trademark. <laughs> um, because... I'm, I don't even remember how it happened now. Do you? Well, yeah. So, so exactly. He shouts like that, and David Hyde Pierce is like, "Oh, uh, actually, I don't." <laughs> he says, "You don't, don't. I will not have you speak to me that way in my house." I mean, yeah. I know. I remember that. As I remember it, basically, John Taylor becomes, you know, the aggressor. Yes. And then, and then, does he does he light up to smoke? And David Hyde Pierce says, "You know, don't smoke in here." And then. He like takes a knife off the table or something and sort of threatens him with it. He's like, "Sit down," or or no, because uh, yes, they they hear that he's uh, they hear the radio say that he's considered dangerous, right? And now l- let me stop us there for just one second. Yeah, please do. So the because that is uh, that's a very good point because that's something I want to talk about too. Go ahead. Okay, so two things. One on the radio, they're saying he is considered dangerous, very dangerous, I think. But my feeling is. Knowing now what his crime was, why do they consider him dangerous? Yeah. He he wasn't even armed, was he? Nope. And then and then That's a big problem. Backing up from there, looking back on it, I kind of feel like what was his plan of talking someone into letting him into their house? Like knowing who he is now and what his aims were. How is that going to end? Well, it just seems like you, you'd rather like climb into a cardboard box somewhere than yeah. be around somebody that you don't know. Or I think the opposite. I mean, here's where I think they tried to have their cake and eat it too a little bit with mm-hmm. the script by making John a sympathetic guy and by putting him in a place where whatever crime he's committed is being trumped tenfold by David Hyde Pierce's uh, neurotic, psychopathic tendencies. Yeah. If I have robbed a bank and all I'm concerned about is getting away with it, as soon as you get inside that house, take the fucking upper hand and you take David Hyde Pierce hostage. Like, this is what happens. You're going to sit down, you're going to shut up, or I'm going to kill you until until I'm ready to get out of here. Yeah. That didn't happen, I think, until the moment that David Hyde Pierce started saying, well, you can't talk to me that way. And then John did did become the uh, kind of aggressive. It's like I've already made up my mind. I'm going to kill you, you know. Blah 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 blah. Right. You're going to you shut up until I tell you to, you know. Um, 
And like there were some of those ones like, okay, yeah, like here we go. Like again, like panic room, like something like that. Like this is like interesting. Like what is David Hyde Pierce going to do now? Because this guy has been outed as this violent criminal and he is behaving violently. Right. I think it's shortly after that, actually. I can't remember if, if Pierce turns a knife on John before he starts to get woozy from he's been poisoning the wine. I mean, that's or doing something to the wine to make John basically pass out. Right. And so he's been doing that since the moment John walked in the house and he offered him a drink. But that is your sort of vehicle to get him to uh, lose the upper hand in that situation. Right. And from that moment forward, David Hyde Pierce is kind of in control. And I, I think like it was it was weird to me, too, because I felt like I I never really saw that anger and aggression and that sort of violent side of John the rest of the movie. Not probably not until the very end. Yeah. Like the very, very end. But even that, like, and, and I guess that's the thing is at, at the point when he's doing that at the beginning of the movie, you feel like he is a bank robber. Like this is a yeah. career criminal. And I guess he sort of was, but. Kind of. I mean, yeah. like it's a little vague, but yeah, yeah, he went to prison. We know that. He definitely we went to prison. find that out through flashback. Right. But those flashbacks neuter him, right? I mean, they do a little bit. Right. Well, and that, and that, that was one thing, yeah, coming up that we, we haven't gotten to quite yet, but. Yeah, I wanted him to be a bad bank robber. Like I wanted him to Me be too. a dangerous bank robber through the whole thing. Yep. And so yeah. So then when it started becoming that he was he did a bad thing for the right reasons, it was like okay, you know. I mean, I guess we, I guess we got to switch it back to him a little bit. Like you don't otherwise you kind of don't really care if he's being such a jerk. But but why? Let me ask you this though, yeah. Craig. Why couldn't that stuff come out in dialogue between him and David Hyde Pierce? Why couldn't he have just said? Exactly what had happened. Tell him what had happened. Tell him why you robbed the bank. I mean, if you're trying to save your own life from this maniac, you mentioned Tarantino and like thinking of Reservoir Dogs. Like, you know, there's those really extended scenes of just dialogue. Yeah. But they're riveting. And like, there's such like dread and fear involved with, you know, Michael Madsen doing his thing. And like, at any moment, like, he could kill this guy, this cop mm-hmm. that they've captured. Like, I kind of wanted some of that. Like, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, like, that sort of like the, the torture porn world at all or if this even veers into that category i thought it might for a little while right i I don't think it really ever does but um i certainly wouldn't have mind them ramping up that sort of darker aspect of it in a way that's not tied to david hyde pierce's insanity yeah for sure well let's talk about him then and like just like his version of crazy to me at times was a little silly yes there was one moment where He's checking on the duck in the oven, and you sort of get the oven POV shot. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it's the cameras inside the oven looking out, and he's like poking. No, it looks you know beautiful, uh, fantastic, or whatever. And I was like, hmm, that shot didn't. F- that felt like a different movie for a second there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and uh, I think that was a foreshadowing of like, oh, this is going to be a movie where this guy dances on a table yeah with imaginary people and you know you're seeing the, the actors in one shot and in another shot you're seeing him just by himself i don't know like tonally that's a little hard for me to reconcile with the first 25 minutes of this movie i felt the same way I, you know a, a okay. lot of a lot of the beginning of that where you know he, he's just he's having conversations with people who aren't there like mm-hmm. that's fine there's a part of me that kind of felt like i almost don't want to see the phony people like i almost want yeah. to just be with john and just be like what's going on I mean, um, that would have been so uncomfortable and amazing right <laughs> yeah i mean i mean ju- just yeah have to sit there with that yeah just to think of yeah like david hyde pierce is is like his whole character the entire movie is interacting with people who aren't there like i, I just feel like that would have been really fascinating to watch it could have been and he's good at that too i mean i do think I feel those like moments is, yeah. You know, even though tonally, like to me, it was a little big and broad. I think he's. I mean, he's. He obviously, I think, enjoyed playing this character. I mean, he really yeah. put a lot into it. You know, absolutely. It's fun to watch and I, and I think yeah, the 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 dancing bit on the table was was one where I was like, okay, so we're, like we're we're kind of going into a much more comic tone, and yet 
I always feel like John was cast for a serious movie. And yes, and delivered a serious performance, yeah. I think, for the like, most part. You know, yeah. there's that one moment where I think, you know, David Hyde Pierce is now imagined a full on party where the room in the house is full of people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, is everybody enjoying themselves? And John's like, you just see him by himself and the room is empty. He's like, oh, I'm having a great time. You know, I'm just like, well, that's. Yeah. It's funny, it's a little cute, but it's, you know, it's not the same. Again, like, that's not the dude I saw who was saying he was going to kill David Hyde Pierce unless, you know, X and Y happened. So, yeah, like, to me, it it just, I don't know. Like, when I say, like, you know, it took a left turn where I went straight. Like, that's that to me is, I, I still wonder if there's a version of this movie where, like you're saying, you have David Hyde Pierce and he does have this like mental condition, but you still play that straight. And right. what does that look like? And like, how does that actually fuel the sort of discomfort of the entire situation where it's not quite so easy to make up your mind, which guy is, you know, the lesser of two evils, I guess. Yeah. Because it's pretty evident early on that, Oh, like, yeah, David Hyde Pierce is not only crazy, he's a really bad guy. Like, he's got the serial killer notebook. And should we talk about that for a second? Because well, yeah, because I was going to say, they always have to have guy? a notebook? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. is like, that's where we'll get to the end where maybe it just, like, I, I don't quite know what to make of it all. But right. before you get there, he's showing John photos of, you know, pages that are time stamped. You know, this is what I do with my victims at midnight. They've got this, you know, cut on them. And then by 3 a.m., they look like this. And then by 6 a.m., their throats slit. Yeah. We should give a shout out to the fact that there's a Polaroid camera in this oh, movie. Yeah. After talking about the fact that there's a horror movie built entirely around a Polaroid now coming it is out. A, it's a seven-year-old um, movie, though. So most of the kids going to see Polaroid, have, they, have, they have no idea. This movie is a, a, maybe a, like a classic. Yeah. For them, they'll be like, oh, that's that camera that was in. Wow. People really did use those. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's got the notebook, which is which is interesting, I guess, and it, and it's and it's starting to sort of ratchet up a reason for John to be legitimately nervous, not just for sure feeling weird about this guy, but legitimately fearful for his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then the evening continues in this way. He shows John uh, an 8mm film strip of himself. <laughs> What's in that 8mm film strip, well, Craig? It, it appears to be David Hyde Pierce in some sort of makeup. He seems to be sitting on uh, the side of his bathtub, and he seems to cut himself with a knife mm-hmm. over and over and just be bleeding all over himself and like laughing. And the real David Hyde Pierce is watching this with John and laughing and laughing. And, of course, John looks very nervous. Well, and then he, he uses the knife on his tongue. I wasn't sure if he was using it on his tongue or if he was actually, like, licking his blood off the knife. Okay. Well, either way, I was like, hmm. Right. It doesn't look like he cut his tongue. So, yeah, maybe he was just licking it off. But it did kind of clue me into, like, okay, is this just, like, kabuki? Sure. And there is a a lot of kabuki uh, clues there in that little bit. Yeah. And that obviously rears its head later on. I'm not saying that I figured out what the hell, like, his thing was. But, um, (laughs) yeah. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, we'll stay on the topic of DHP. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like if you knew a little more about him in any way that that would help? Because I, I, I found myself kind of thinking of somebody like Hannibal Lecter, right? Sure. Where, you know, that's a sort of a very mannered, intelligent, uh, certainly you would say kind of elitist uh, serial killer. Yeah, You know, he's just, like, into specific things. He's smart. Like, he reveals a lot about himself every time he opens his mouth in some ways. Sure. And I felt like a little more, like, fleshed out specificity to this guy would would have helped kind of build, I think, in some ways, like, a more frightening character. Because I didn't, I just yeah. didn't, like, I didn't know. Like, I, I guess, like, he's into these things. And I was thinking, like, how does this guy make, all this money you know it's like what is he like does he have a a job because like he's got this really nice house and he's obviously into very fine things right and yet he's crazy like he's a lunatic you know he's imagining all these people is it something that he can just contain to his house and like what is that i don't know so i I just i found myself asking those questions whereas i think they could have like helped me avoid doing that by 
given me some things to kind of sink my teeth into with that guy a little bit. Well, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, why why would he choose to reveal this to this guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and may, I guess at the beginning he didn't choose to do that. He just told him, I have guests coming over, so I need to get you out of here. And by the time the guy's there for the party, like, yeah, there's, there's, there's simply there's no leaving the house. So I guess it's not like he chose to bring him in and reveal it to him, but it does make you feel like if he doesn't have any idea that he's that nuts yeah then yeah how how does how would he function day to day what does he do mm-hmm. because he certainly seems seems like he, like he's so matter of fact about it just doesn't seem like he would uh he'd be able to keep that under under wraps well gosh that's making me think that we should kind of fast forward a little bit because we i mean we do yeah. find out exactly what he does yes. for a day job and that opens a whole other can of worms well i want to shorthand a couple of things so throughout the entire thing we've been flashing back to John mm-hmm. and his girlfriend. Girlfriend seems to be sick. John, uh, she needs treatments that are expensive. They don't have the yeah. money for it. She says, you're not going to rob another bank. And he's like, well, maybe I will. And uh, and so we, we have... we have <laughs> Exactly like that. Exactly like that. That was a perfect uh, impression. They also play chess in a bathtub. Right. They play chess in the bathtub. I, I, I question if that's ever happened before. Do you think anybody... Like, I want to know couples out there. Yeah. Do you ever play chess in a bathtub together? If one of your formative moments was talking about chess while bathing together, which <laughs> which honestly, as as romantic as it seems in the movies, is terribly uncomfortable I, I think it most of the be. time yeah. if you've ever tried it. So anyway, regardless of that, <laughs> I guess it depends on what kind of bathtub you have. But that's we're, that one looks that's a tangent we don't need to get into. Yeah. Let's, let's talk tubs. Let's so it's... <laughs> Uh, well, I like American podcast. standards. Uh, okay. Uh, fiberglass. Cooler guy. Yeah. Okay. No, um, John is tied up. John is probably going to die at the hands of this madman. And then he challenges mm-hmm. the madman to a game of chess. And that's when we flash back and we see that John knows how to play chess. And yep, if yep. John wins the game of chess, then he gets he, he's let go. And so John wins the game of chess. And it's like, okay, you're free to go. And then, and then this... This drove me nuts. This moment drove me nuts. And I feel like it's something to watch. If you're writing something, if you're creating something where, you, you know, you're, you're thinking about character motivation for different stuff. Like, we're just, we're, we're at, a, at, at a big moment in the movie. And John can walk out the door from this crazy lunatic. Can walk out the door and never see him yep. again. But then Warwick, David Hyde Pierce starts talking about how, wow, you didn't even fight. You're not much of a fighter. You're nothing. You're just nothing. And for some reason, this gets under John's skin. For me, I didn't understand why that got under his skin at all. Like, I didn't feel like that was, I didn't feel like there were any scabs being pulled off that we saw earlier in the movie. So, and, and, and John gets really mad. And so he goes over to the wall and he pulls a sword off the wall and stabs David Hyde Pierce with it, but it turns out to be a fake knife, which is fine. A little weird, but it's fine. But again, it's like, man, you could have walked out, but then he called you nothing, so you were going to murder him, and you're not a murderer. I know. So, so like, all of that, the more the movie went on, the less it made sense. But then David Hyde Pierce, like, knocks him out after revealing that the knife wasn't real. And then, and, and I'll say this, for all the stuff that kind of wasn't adding up for me in this movie, the next... But just about like the next scene, scene and a half, had, I guess I can't really say they were great twists because eventually they sort of seemed like kind of weird. But at the moment, I was like, that was the last thing I expected to have happen, which is that he's, there's a bit where he's like in a tub and, and tied up, I think. But cut to, who, who is it? The old lady next door is calling on the phone because right. she sees somebody laying out, she, she sees like feet laying on the ground outside where there's a bunch yeah. of trash bags. Looks like a dead body. Yeah. Cut to John. His throat is slit. And then you mm-hmm. see David Hyde Pierce like putting his slit throat picture in the book. And it's like, wait a second. Like this movie still has like at least 20 <laughs> minutes left. Like did, did that really just happen? Like did, did this movie just leave the rails? Because like that got me really <laughs> excited. I was like, oh, wow. Like I didn't think that at all. Yeah. You take it from there because then we have more reveals coming out as fast and furious 
Well, the first big reveal is that John is not dead. Yes. He wakes up, sits up, quickly kind of pieces together that all of his wounds are only makeup. Very good makeup. Thinking about it, maybe I, I can't pinpoint a single moment where I thought I saw something that would have drawn blood that David Hyde Pierce did to, right. uh, to John. Maybe those moments were all happening off camera or in between time jumps, you know, when John was passed out. One of them I thought was when, because doesn't he hit the floor pretty hard when he's got the mask on? Yeah, the creature from the Black Lagoon mask. Yeah. Like, I feel like he kind of got bounced around a little bit. So I was like, oh, okay. He's got some moves. Like, like I, I didn't question it at all. I didn't either. Yeah, I didn't like, question I like the, the totally cuts normal. at all. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, oh okay. So he, he didn't kill him. He's a guy who just kidnaps people or, you know, holds people hostage and pretends to kill them, but just applies makeup, which... Goes along, I guess, thematically with an, having an imaginary life of of some kind, but yeah, is a is a weird thing to do because certainly, I mean, unless you only do this to people who do not want to go to the cops for their own personal reasons, uh, that seems like it would come back to haunt you because yeah, <laughs> because you know, obviously, what they did was not legal. Um, but anyway. Right. John quickly gets the hell out of there. I think we get our second big surprise when um, there's two detectives in the movie uh, mm-hmm. that we've kind of cut to off and on throughout that are kind of following and working the bank robbery case. And one of them talks to the neighbor. They have an ID on John. They show up at David Hyde Pierce's house and ta-da... David Hyde Pierce is their superior. He himself is a lead detective. Mm-hmm. Which, again, nice surprise. I don't know yeah. <laughs> how you do that job if you're that level of crazy. I mean, there was a moment in the movie where David Hyde Pierce is opening a bottle of medication and instead of taking two, he takes one, and there's a conversation with some of the imaginary characters about that fact. Right. So maybe when his medication is regulated, he's under control. When it's not, he's not. Is he choosing to not be under control when he's having dinner parties? I don't know. I don't know. That, to me, is still a puzzle that I have not pieced together completely. I agree, and I feel like my biggest problem with that at the time, and again, in the moment, I was happy. I got that little jolt of like, well, that's different. You know, that's, yeah. again, sure. not what I expected. Didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming. But there was also the feeling that, I, you know, nothing else in the movie suggested that this was true. There's not that feeling of like, oh, that's why this was true of that, and there was this thing. I was like... I don't know, like, if you're a cop, does your house have zero evidence of you being a cop? I know. Or, or is that meticulous? I mean, uh, meticulous and, and well sort of, like, arranged and decorated and modern and looks expensive? I mean, sure. I don't know. What are, like, I mean, you, I mean you, can, you can have good taste and everything, but, but sure. it, it just seems like somewhere you're going to have, like, a plaque or something, you know? Like, something will... Uh, yeah. Like, a cop's house is not the same as my dumpy house, right? So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You do have those guns just laying around. <laughs> I do have a storm yeah, gun is, and all those fake yeah. badges. Yes, and bodies. Uh, yeah, but that was—I don't know—that like the whole cop story was kind of interesting to me. But yeah. you're sort of quickly finding out that they believe the bank teller uh, was in on the robbery, and mm-hmm. you're getting more flashbacks and finding out, hey, John's girlfriend was actually the bank teller. And mm-hmm. when he went and robbed this bank, he specifically went up to her. And I don't remember, but I don't think we saw him ever pull a gun on her. Right. She just kind of hands over the money. And I have a bunch of problems with this as the son of a woman who worked as a bank teller for mm-hmm. years and was robbed several times. Really? Yes. Mm. We do a mini episode on that. We could. I will say this, okay, about the whole thing. 
uh, tellers, they, they are not allowed to speak to one another after a robbery until the cops show, or I think even until maybe there's like, somebody else like within the bank or banking organization shows up because of the problem of inside jobs, I think, right. you know, and to corroborate stories. And also, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like, why would would she do this? Like, why yeah. would he not go in with a gun and at least try to sell the idea that it's an actual robbery? I mean, I know, like, A, my mom was robbed by a guy who came in with a wig and sunglasses, not unlike this this dude, and he had a note that said, give me X amount of money, I have a gun. Mm-hmm. Bank teller's Keep the note because if you just write that you are armed, they can charge you with armed robbery, and that's a different level of felony. Sure, I, we don't even know that. So, I mean, it's it, like for all we saw, he was just like, "Hey, uh, uh, yeah, you know what we talked about before? Let's do it right now. Give me the money." <laughs> um, and she's like, "Okay." It just—it seems like they—they they took no level of skill to pull that off. Right. It just seems like so immediate that that would crumble. You know, right. somebody would have seen them together. I mean, I don't know. Like, why would you not go to a He's, different teller? Like, go to a different teller and like Robert, you know? Yeah. Well, and and here's a guy who walks into a bank. I mean, I think you should probably be arrested if you walk into a bank with big fluffy hair under a hat with sunglasses on. You should probably just immediately have handcuffs put on yourself. It raises flags. That is yeah. for sure. Like, that was the thing. I Like, I started getting into that. I started, like, brainstorming, like, mm-hmm. you know, how would you like why wouldn't you go to that bank for a while like have a have an account there or something like you know watch people in there and then try and kind of dress like the clientele and yeah. just blend in you know like why like going in like that he looks like a clown like no one else in there looks like he does yeah the guy that robbed my mom actually he got busted because when he came out to the parking lot he took his wig and sunglasses off and somebody <laughs> in the parking lot was like, that's weird, and wrote down their license plate number and then walked over to the bank when the cops were there. And like, I have no idea what happened, but I saw this guy come out of there and take a wig and sunglasses yeah. off, and I wrote down his license plate, and they caught him like half an hour later. Um, yeah. But it's still, okay, so in the constructs of this, construction of this movie, she is double-crossing John very clearly. Mm-hmm. So basically, he she arranged it. She's not sick at all. She arranged it so that he would come in, rob the bank, she would give him the money, he would give the money to her, and then she was going up. She's the one that ID'd him and gave up his name so that he would be caught. Right. I, I, how on earth she still thinks that she would get away with the money? I don't. I just don't see it. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. Like it doesn't add up to me. Right. Well, that's the thing. She doesn't trip the alarm. I think, or something. Yeah. Like, it needed to seem know. like she was straight up robbed like they needed to like yeah yeah like go a a little further exactly for her to be the innocent party but yeah the fact that they didn't and i mean and honestly like the whole thing about him waiting so he gets a certain teller i don't know (laughs) just seems like (laughs) man that's a a dead giveaway and it's too it's like it's a shame because i'm still with you in thinking at the setup of this movie this guy felt legit like he seemed like a robber and like he had done mm-hmm. this before and it didn't go down exactly as planned, but he's making steps to get away. Yeah. And then it just all kind of came crashing. I was like, Oh no, like he's not that smart. She, well, neither is she. And yeah. they just, they didn't do this thing right at all. And like, I don't know. Well, to be fair though, I mean, much like your, your example uh, with your mom and, you, like I, I've I've certainly cut a lot of true crime stuff that involved bank robberies. I mean, to be yeah. fair, true to life, a lot of most bank robbers are not smart idiots. Yeah. They are really bad at what they do, and they get caught immediately. Like this is not supposed to be Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. No one said this guy was a genius, right? So, uh, like m- maybe there's a part of it that, that like we both need to like take a step back and just say, okay, this is kind of how bank robberies work. Like it's a couple of dumb I people think who that's... think robbing a bank is a good idea. Totally fine, but like, yeah. give me the ending of the killing or something where, sure, you know, uh, the, they just don't get away with it because of some other circumstance, or just don't like if you're gonna have the girlfriend double cross, don't put her in the bank, take the money and say sorry, you know, right? Exactly, like, find some other way out of that where I'm not like spending 
15 minutes after watching this movie because this happens really quickly in the end here. Like this is yeah. like literally all we get in like four or five minutes. And I'm just left like, wait a second. Yeah. What? <laughs> like that doesn't, doesn't add up to me, you know? So I, I had issues with that obviously. And then, you know, while John is on the lamb, like trying to track down whether or not his, his girlfriend is on the up and up and whether, their plans to meet at a rental car company at nine o'clock in the morning and drive across the border together are actually going to go down. Um, David Hyde Pierce is out with the other two detectives and they're tailing uh, the girlfriend. Right. Again, she seems oblivious to the fact that she would even be a suspect in this thing, even though (laughs) it's pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, clearly they had a relationship together. It just seems so hard that, that you wouldn't, that that wouldn't come about anyway. You get your sort of like parking garage scene and, and you know, there's the cops split up and, you know, John has walked away with the bag of money and is heading out of the parking garage. And who's there? David Hyde Pierce. And he points the gun and says, you know, you can get away with this if uh, you give me 80% of it or whatever. Yeah. So what happens is he's like, oh, well, you know, give me all that money. I'll let you go. And then. John like pops the trunk eventually and then so he takes the bag of money Warwick does takes the bag of money and then hands him a couple of stacks and says that'll get you into Mexico I guess yeah and then John drives away so Sean oh man there's and we still haven't got <laughs> oh yeah we're not we're there. not even yeah. close to okay. like letting this all around yeah. Sean so let me ask you this question so let's oh, say you are an insane police lieutenant yeah you've tracked your quarry to a a big parking garage where you know this is all gonna like all it's all gonna come together here. The girl's gonna meet up with the guy, or something's gonna happen. Yep. You're in a parking garage. There are a few exits and a few entrances. How do you choose the exact booth John is gonna come to, and that your police, your your other like police cronies are not gonna come anywhere near? I thought that was a stretch. I mean, I can buy that maybe there's only one place open to get out of there or that didn't bother me as much as he seemed to f- to know that John was going to be there or he was already there or something like that or did he not he couldn't have known well it, actually i guess it didn't matter if he knew John was going to be in there or not he just knew the money was going to be there yeah right cuz yeah i was thinking the same thing it's like he didn't know John was going to take that car but i guess it didn't matter but is that what he's after though i mean is that his mo is just to get money well, from Exactly. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, because what was he going to do with if the girl just had the money, but the other two detectives are with him? Is he going to like somehow slip away and kill her and and take the money? Or I, I don't know. Like to me, it's right. still well, he because hmm. he tells the other detectives to go back to the station or something. Yeah, and so that means they're going to leave the parking garage. Yeah, and he's and they even say like, "You don't have a car. How are you going?" Like, oh, I've just got something local. I'll, I'll get back. Fine. It's and like, so yeah, so it's just like. I don't know how any of that plan works. At this point, I started to wonder, like, how much of this was brought about to, like, fix other things. Like, I always want to, like, I would love to see the draft that went into production. Mm -hmm. Before they did all the notes on it, what did that script look like? Yeah. And then how did it come out? 17 days of shooting. That's still a lot to do. Oh, man, that's a lot to do. This is a complicated story because, like, even then... Yeah, after this, after John is driven off into the sunset and David Hyde Pierce is like a, you know, 180 grand richer or whatever, we move forward a little bit and the other detective gets a letter in the mail, stamps from Mexico, mm-hmm. and it's one of the Polaroids that David Hyde Pierce took of himself and John when John was held hostage. I don't remember John taking that picture at all. I have no idea house. how he would have gotten that. Yeah, yeah, which would have been nice to see him grab that uh i think and pocket it right if you're going to use that again the cop the detective seems to immediately then go to david hyde pierce and starts pressuring him and interviewing him and trying to make sense of it all which to me i didn't buy that either like that to me is it feels like immediately you go to like internal affairs or whatever you know because Sure. He seems to not believe David Hyde Pierce at all. So it's like, well, why are you giving him a chance to lie even or to cover yeah. his ass? Like giving like, him just a heads go up. straight to your superiors. I got this in the mail. 
we got to look at this guy for possible corruption or involvement, some sort of connection to the bank robber. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. And like, it was a lengthier scene than I expected. Like I kind of just expected him to walk in and show David Hyde Pierce the photo. And maybe like, that's the end of it. Right. I don't even remember. How did it end exactly? It was sort of, Oh, he invites him over to dinner. Right. Yeah. So, well, and, th- and that's it. So, yeah. So that's what I'm thinking at this point. How, how did John get the photo? Mm-hmm. How did John know Ben Morton? How did, how did John know Ben Morton? Like, why would he send it to, to Ben Morton? I don't, I mean, I guess you could just like look on a website and figure out, okay, what's the chain of command or something like that. Right. Maybe these are public officers. They have to be listed. I guess. Maybe, maybe he does it that way. Uh, but yeah, so Still. the invitation to dinner at the end. So at this point, the the information that I have is that if he invites Ben Morton over to dinner and Ben goes, that he is going to drug Ben Morton and put makeup on him. Yep. And then put him outside. Him way. So, yeah. But but the ending sort of feels like, oh, Ben, don't accept that invitation. Uh-oh, you accepted the invitation. But it's like, but nothing's going to happen because this guy doesn't seem to actually kill anyone. He's going to have a bad night. going to go back to work. And it's like, this guy is out of his mind and probably <laughs> bad. Yeah. So this is this is a movie that kind of leaves the rails of its uh it kind of kind of like sets up rules and, and and breaks them it feels like. Yeah, and I think it's it's also okay. like a, it's a good example of looking at endings where sometimes trying to answer questions raises more questions where I I, yeah. I kind of feel like in some ways if they had left things a lot more vague, it it probably would have been better off, you know. Sure. Like if we didn't even have that last little bit with the photograph and you just sort of think that David Hyde Pierce, oh, he's this really crooked cop and this bank robber got away with it. You know, I mean, in some ways to me, like that would have like it felt a little more like an ending than this other stuff at the very end. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot to to kind of unpack and, and learn from this movie. Sure. And clearly it's got its fans i mean it's showing up on list (laughs) on the internet of great movies that people have never heard of and i I do think there's a lot to enjoy from it it played sundance i think it got a fairly warm reception out of the gate it's uh, a fun performance to watch from david hyde pierce but uh yeah again it's story 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 problems for me as far as my feelings on this movie and not liking it as much as I, as I wanted to. And as much as I liked the opening agreed. And and I kind of wonder, you know, so, so this was made from a short film called the host by, by mm-hmm. Nick Tomney. And there's, yeah, there's a part of me would love to see that. I didn't seek it out. It, it may be readily available, but I yeah, kind of wonder like watch that and kind of maybe get a, a better idea of like where this was headed to begin with. Would there be an easy fix to the complications of David Hyde Pierce's character as far as like, yeah, like what actually he's doing to people and how that relates to being a cop? Like, is there, I, I don't, I kept thinking about that because I was like, well, what is sort of the straighter version of this? Like, is he just yeah. out of his mind and a killer and this guy well, escapes him? Because there's something about that, too, that as much as I like this setup, he literally walks into the hornet's nest, right, John? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, as far as, like, these two characters meeting, it's total happenstance. Like, um, I mean, yeah, that part of it. Well, and, and I guess that, that is the kind of thing, like, and kind of like what we talked about with uh, Dangerous Curves. You know, a, a movie that has sort of these ready connections to be made that just aren't made. And, like, there's a part of me that wanted it to be, like, make it explicitly clear that he definitely kills people. And the people that he kills are criminals. And, yeah. you know, it, it, and it's an offshoot of him being a cop. And so, totally. you know, so, so that way, that. Like, yeah. everything's ki- kind of, you know, everything kind of intertwines that way and might just have a little more um, weight. And, I mean, certainly, you know, if you know he definitely murders people and it doesn't have to be torture porn like it just has to be like you're alive one second you're dead the next for sure uh because the makeup thing again he's a cop where does the makeup come in how does he know how to do makeup that good (laughs) but which 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 honestly he's probably arrested some makeup artists (laughs) yeah well well, like as a moment in the movie it's really interesting yeah like if everything around that moment fed into that moment and worked like, 
I'd be like, whoa, whoa, that's really bizarre. Like, to to put makeup on this guy and just and dump him like he's dead, but he's not. Like, that's so crazy. But what's the plan? Um, but yeah, if and you kill know, people, obviously man. the invitation at the end of the movie would have a lot more weight. But you know what, though, I don't know. Like the, you saying it, I I think that would have been so much more interesting if we had known David Hyde Pierce was a cop from the start. Yes. He knew this guy was the bank robber. He followed him maybe after the robbery. And instead of taking him to jail, he takes him to his, like whatever the circumstance is to get him into his house and then do this thing. And this is what he fucking does to criminals who he knows will not get the proper punishment in jail. Like, you know, right. uh, because, and just think if John knew that this guy was a cop the whole time he was being held hostage, what are you going to do? You're going to call other cops? Right. You know, how, how are you getting out of that situation? You yeah. Know? You have no idea how that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's a cop. He can send me to jail. He knows I've done this robbery. But no, he's worse. Like, he's not even doing that. He's holding me hostage and doing this crazy shit to me. And, like, I've got no no hope of doing anything to counteract this short of killing him, you know? Well, and that's that would be really interesting, too, is, mm-hmm. yeah, is, like, is, is you know, again, we, we, when we meet him, we think he could be that dangerous, yeah. And so and he, and he's posing it being that dangerous. And then when it comes down to it and he really has to do it, like then it's like really hard, you know, like once that flip happens where it's like to defend myself, I might have to kill somebody like it's that's not easy. But but the moment in the movie where he grabs the thing off the wall, it seems like incredibly easy for him. But if it was if it was like a struggle for him and the only other thing I could think of was if David Hyde Pierce's demeanor throughout the entire movie the character again like you find out he's a cop at the beginning you know he's a cop and yeah. he's just like this very polite mannered milquetoast lieutenant and maybe his detectives yeah. walk all over him but and, but he's that way the whole way through even when he's in complete control he's never like just this domineering he's not mean like none of that like it would just be he he would just keep that demeanor through the whole thing but it's so creepy that like this is yeah. how he de- this is how he makes the world right for himself well and think about how confusing and awful it would kind of be if you're a criminal, you know, this guy's a cop, you spend this horrible night with him and then he lets you go. Yeah. Like that. In some ways that's worse because it's like, Oh shit, this guy knows I'm out there. And at any moment he can kind of come get me. Like, you know, it's almost like thinking about that movie, uh, murder in Coweta County. We watched where sure they sort of arranged this guy that they called like, they let him go just so they could hunt him down again, you know, yeah, um, and have an excuse to kill him, or sort of a yeah, sort of a most dangerous game in L.A. And I'm yeah. I'm I'm keeping that idea. That's my idea. And now that I've trademarked that. I'm going to do that idea now. Sorry. Well, this was a nice conclusion to this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good idea. You should write it. I think that's ripe. Um, I do think, in some ways, that is a uh, a layer that that may have helped both of us. But hey. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not you at home. Maybe you'll sit down and you'll love this thing like a lot of other people did. It is never a boring movie. Never a boring movie. It's an hour and a half long. It's an easy watch. Yeah, you won't be distracted. It's on Netflix, so you don't even have to pay for it if you're already paying. And uh, it looks really good. I, I like the look of it. There were yeah. times where I'm like, man, David Hyde Pierce, like he just has this like pale demeanor about him, where he looks even weirder and crazy in this in this environment. And yeah. so I think you should go check that out. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Is there sort of a version of this that I think, you know, would work for you that we didn't think of that Craig did not trademark that you could you could write uh, yourself? I may have already trademarked it. Actually, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Trademark. Trademark is the right word, of course. Yeah, sure. It's now you trademarked. trademarked and copyrighted all of this. Sean, I actually trademarked you, too. I oh, Jesus meant to Christ. tell you. OK. I just put okay. It in the papers. Well, uh, I don't know what I'm legally allowed to say then. <laughs> going forward you're all right (laughs) okay well i was just gonna say um as always it's it's nice to hear from you and hear what you think about these movies if you check them out and thanks for listening uh whether you check out the movies or not we try to make it so that you can feel like you've seen it um even if you don't want to (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh craig yeah uh next week we i think are gonna talk about um an exciting experience that it sounds like you're gonna have watching dunkirk and i don't know if we want to spoil anything beyond that yeah I, I, I don't know how much more we can say uh there's a part of me that feels like you know especially know, if it doesn't a hurricane happen. might come through and <laughs> yeah. 
just blow everybody away. So I just I'm I'm just keeping my fingers crossed right now. We do we'll know it happens. won't happen. Yeah, it won't happen in Silver Springs. It will happen. Oh, Sean. Silver S- Spring. Yeah, we're not going down that road again. Um, but <laughs> hey, yeah, that's all stuff that we talked about in the mini episodes. If you haven't caught up on all of those, uh, have fun with those. And check out our Facebook page because we, uh, again, are going to be hosting some awesome analysis and write-ups uh, about movies that you know we definitely have not heard of from uh, Damien Leahy, filmmaker in front of the show and all-around smart-ass dude. So mm-hmm. you're going to want to read those and digest them and write love letters to him, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that is not trademarked. So run with it. Yeah. Craig, last words? Uh, Don't spit into the wind, Sean. Hmm. It's nice to know. Wish you would have told me that yesterday. All right, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.